You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this crossover Thursday edition of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season, and y'all know how excited we are to catch these New Orleans Saints. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. As the New Orleans Saints and Chicago Bears set to face off in the Windy City, both teams have released their first injury report of week eight. The Saints starting off their week down three receivers and the Bears hosting a long list of injured players on a short week. So we'll start there before we dive into our crossover Thursday, joined by the ever illustrious Lauren Cox over from Locked on Bears to help break down this matchup. There are a lot of question marks surrounding both of these teams, despite their winning records heading into week eight. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked on NFL. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints start off their practice week with a short but concerning list of injuries down three receivers. Meanwhile, the Bears is over twice as long on the short week following Chicago's Monday night football loss. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. The Saints released their Wednesday injury report with only four names listed. Two did not practice and two with limited participation. Both wide receivers, Michael Thomas and Marquez Callaway, listed as did not participate. Not really a surprise for Michael Thomas as he's coming battling to come back from now a hamstring injury on top of the ankle injury he was already dealing with. Marquez Callaway had to leave Sunday's win against the Carolina Panthers early with an ankle injury. He said and told media afterwards during his postgame presser that he was feeling fine, but I'm not surprised to see the Saints play this one off with caution here at the beginning of the week. The Saints very likely to be without Michael Thomas and also without Emmanuel Sanders, who doesn't show up on the injury report, but is not a part of practice right now because he is still in the midst of his 10-day COVID-19 injury reserve protocol. They can't afford to also potentially lose Marquez Callaway by complicating his injury any further, so I don't blame them for taking it light on the Wednesday coming back to practice. We'll continue to track his progress on Thursday and Friday to see if he'll be ready to go for Sunday's matchup in Chicago. Moving over to those who are listed as limited participation for practice, both offensive linemen Nick Easton and Teron Armstead fall under that category and that designation. Nick Easton is coming back in the midst of his concussion protocol. He was not able to play last week. This is now the second week that he's in that protocol working to come back. Seeing him get back to practice at all is a good sign for the offensive lineman. Teron Armstead, in the meanwhile, had to leave the game after trying to play through his hand and arm injury. The Saints obviously playing it safe with him as well early on this week. So we'll continue to track the progress there, but for the Saints to be down three receivers to open up the the practice week here, it, it is a little concerning to say the least, especially having Marquez Callaway still not participate. But I'm hoping that from uh, from this perspective, looking at it, that they're just playing it safe and playing with some uh, precaution here. Meanwhile, if you go over to the Chicago Bears injury report, their injury report nearly three times as long as the Saints with nine players listed with meaningful injuries. There were two players, Ted Ginn Jr. and Jimmy Graham, ironically, both former Saints 
who did not participate in Wednesday's practice, but only for veteran rest purposes. But in terms of meaningful injuries, uh, Rashad Coward, the offensive lineman, was able to participate in full despite his finger injury. And Jason Spriggs, their left tackle, same, was also able to practice in full with his back injury. That's good news for the uh, Chicago Bears who have had to work with some you know, unexperienced offensive linemen, to put it lightly so far, particularly along the interior. When it comes to uh, those who did not participate in practice on Wednesday, some big names here, Cordero Patterson, who they like to rely on quite a bit, particularly in the run game and in special teams, did not participate with a quad injury. Center Cody Whitehair was unable to participate with a calf injury. Big name here, Khalil Mack, the edge rusher, had an ankle injury during the Monday night loss to the Los Angeles Rams and was unable to participate early to start off the week. This may also be a precautionary measure by Chicago, much like we're expecting when it comes to Marquez Calloway for the New Orleans Saints. But one that is not a precautionary measure and definitely something to keep an eye out on is going to be wide receiver Allen Robinson, who was unable to participate on Wednesday because he is now in concussion protocol. The hit wasn't flagged, but it was considered a helmet-to-helmet hit on Monday Night Football, and Allen Robinson was held out of the game due to concussion symptoms. So he is now on his way to trying to work his way back to the field on a short week through concussion protocol, which is always very challenging to do, especially when you start off the first day without being able to participate in practice. The Bears also had three players limited, including rookie tight end Cole Komet with a back injury and safety Sherrick McManus with a hamstring injury. And the last but probably most important out of these limited participation players would be Eddie Jackson, the star safety and star player over on that defensive side for the Bears. Probably the next biggest name outside of Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack. He was limited with a pretty scary knee injury. It was a non-contact injury. He jumped in the air and by the time he made it back down to the ground, he was already reaching for his knee. It looked like maybe a, a hyperextension issue. But a couple of names over for the Chicago Bears to really keep an eye out on as this uh, practice week continues to roll along. And of course, the best way to keep up to date with all of it is to tune in here every single Monday through Friday here at Locked on Saints. For the rest of this episode, we're going to turn it over to our crossover Thursday. We do this every week here on the Locked on Podcast Network all across the NFL channel to where we're able to sit down with the local experts for the team that our team is matching up against. So this week, it'll be Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears coming through to help us preview the Saints and Bears matchup. Despite the fact that these two teams have winning records, there sure are a lot of question marks still centering around them, whether it be justified or unjustified. So we'll get to breaking some of those down here in just a moment. And speaking of breaking down, avoid breaking down in your vehicle by taking care of your car and getting some of that maintenance done before your maintenance check engine light comes on or maintenance required light comes on. Don't wait for there to be a problem with your car before you take care of it. Get ahead of it and go ahead and make sure that everything that you need is taken care of. And you can do that from rockauto.com from the comfort of your own home, whether you're on your couch, in your bed, if you're sitting at your desk, if you're eating dinner, just hop onto your phone, hop onto your laptop, your computer, whatever it is that you use, your tablet, anything, and head to rockauto.com. Just pick the make, model, and year of your vehicle and let them know what parts you need and you're going to get several options, all of which at a fraction of the prices which you're going to pay at the brick and mortar commercial stores around the corner. They're going to get you taken care of. This is a family business that has been working with Auto Parts customers online for 20 years. They're going to make sure you get everything that you need. Go ahead and check them out, rockauto.com. Don't forget to let them know that we sent you by writing locked on in the How'd You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Welcome into this crossover Thursday edition of Locked on Bears and Locked on Saints. I am Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears, joined, of course, by Ross Jackson 
from Locked On Saints previewing this upcoming week eight matchup between the Bears and the Saints. Ross, as this Saints team comes to town, they they had some of those struggles early on, but it seems like Drew Brees and company over the last few weeks with a bye week in there seems to have kind of figured it out, at least offensively. I know their defense is still giving up a lot of points the last few weeks, but I guess where's your confidence level in the stability of the Saints at this point after the win over the Panthers? Yeah, I think it, it's one of those things where you, you you can be very confident about the team in one area, but not very confident about them in another. <laughs> and that's that's certainly the 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 issue right now with the New Orleans Saints, where the the offense I'm very confident in because they've also found really interesting ways to continue to be effective even without their star wide receiver in Michael Thomas, who everybody thought was going to be the number one option for this team coming into this year. And you also look at the fact that the the Saints you know worked last week without Emmanuel Sanders, and they've been able to to find a way to make this offense work without completely limiting themselves to just the rushing the run game, but still being able to produce on the run game as well. And so we've seen a newfound confidence in the offense, but over on the defensive side, just a lot of struggles, particularly in the secondary and and even the place where they're the strongest right now, which is the defensive line. They've excelled really well in the in the run game, but haven't been so great in closing out in terms of pass rush. Yeah, in terms of this offense, I want to start there with without Michael Thomas. I know it's a little bit up in the air at this point as to whether or not he'll be able to return this week. I think the last thing we heard from Adam Schefter is that he's again in jeopardy of missing week eight. Mm-hmm. What What is this? I mean, obviously, we all know that this offense kind of goes through Alvin Kamara at this point. But like you said, they've been able to do more than just the Alvin Kamara offense. I mean, has it been Traquan Smith and, and Manny Sanders just kind of doing enough or have they done specific things? I mean, anything different with Breeze? How, how have they made this offense work? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's all in concert with Breeze, you know, and and, and it's been Coach Payton. I mean, Coach Payton's uh, schemes and the way that he has schemed wide receivers open over these last three weeks in particular, starting at the Detroit game, has been really, really impressive to watch to where they're overloading different sides of the field and creating conflict defenders at every level for second and third at the intermediate and short level. They're, they're, they're compounding receivers, but creating enough spacing in in their usage and in their route combinations to where if one receiver or excuse me if one defender makes the, the wrong choice Jabriz knows exactly where to go so it's a lot of key defender watching right if that defender collapses on this route then I go to that route but if they play back for that route then I go to this route and so they do a really good job at creating all of that and it helps when you have guys that can run routes out of the backfield so that you can create some of those conflict defenders at the line of scrimmage so that you're really just looking to move ahead maybe on an out route and a flat in the same on the same side of the field on the field side and then you're able to hit the flat or the or excuse yeah you're able to hit the flat or you're able to throw up to the the out route and then gain a couple of yards that way and it's helpful when you have a guy like Alvin Kamara of course to where you can hit him 3 4 yards behind the line of scrimmage and he he can turn that into anywhere between a 2 to a 52 yard gain <laughs> if you need him to do that and so certainly the comfort level has been there because of Alvin Kamara but one of the reasons why they've been able to continue to produce in the passing game is because of their production in the run game where they're able to force a loaded box and then be able to create those conflict defenders out on the perimeter. Yeah, it seems like with Breeze, they've done a great job of keeping him clean in the pocket for the most part. Mm-hmm. How, how much of that do you attribute to the Saints offensive line playing well versus Breeze getting rid of the ball quickly and the Saints offense just trying to kind of neutralize the pass rush schematically? Yeah, I mean, certainly the getting the ball out of out of his hands quickly has been a, a huge benefit for the Saints. But we do have to give some credit to the Saints' offensive line as well. You have uh, four different different players within their offensive line 
who hit the top 10 in ESPN's pass rush, uh, pass block win rate uh, metric. With Teron Armstead, he's in the top 10 amongst tackles. Andrus Pete and, uh, and Nick Easton are both in the top 10 amongst guards. And then you have Eric McCoy, their starting center, who's been phenomenal. And probably, even though they have Ryan Ramchek at the right tackle position, Eric McCoy has probably been their best offensive lineman so far this season. It's like he is just now realizing that he got drafted 48th overall when he deserved to be a first rounder and he's super pissed about it. He's been really, really great to watch. And I think you, you we do have to attribute some credit over to the offensive line, but also again, the scheme and getting the ball out quickly certainly has helped as well. Well, uh, maybe we should have hit the defense earlier because it's such a big concern for the Bears offense against them right now. But you, you mentioned their struggles. I noticed they one area they haven't seemed to struggle defensively is stopping the run, which has been the Bears' biggest weakness. Is Does that point to then the Saints' issues being more, I guess, in the back seven versus the front seven? Or, or how do you sort of diagnose that dichotomy of, of stopping the run pretty well but not being able to maybe – get that pressure on the quarterback and make some of those plays in the secondary. Secondary play has been down altogether for the Saints defense, but when it comes to the run game for the Saints, they have been able to be effective against it even when teams feel like they do have to lean on it. And so, um, you know, they allowed only 2.8, 2.6 yards per carry against the Carolina Panthers. We, of course, remember last year where the Saints and the Bears met to where the Bears only ran the ball seven times that entire game twice in the second half. Obviously, they'll look to create something, not that same thing again, but Create that one dimensionality again uh, with every team that they that they match up against, and the Bears should be no exception. But the Bears probably have a better situation in front of them because the secondary was playing much better in 2019 than it has so far here in 2020. Yeah, I was going to say, did, is it? I mean, it seems like it's an advantage to make the opposing offense one dimensional. But from the Saints' standpoint, I mean, given the, some of their struggles to stop the pass, is it? Right. That's the thing that's really conflicting about the entire idea is that. You know, it, it's going to be you know uh, a benefit to do that, but when you're giving up, you know, chunk plays. The Saints have given up six plays of over 40 yards uh, in the passing game so far this season. That's the second most in the NFL. And I know the Bears just had their first on Monday Night Football, but now the floodgates could potentially open for the Bears' offense because of how poor the the Saints' uh, secondary has been. It, it really comes down to how much the Saints can control the ball over on the offensive side because the Saints do want to dominate time of possession. But how much does that matter if you're giving up three, four, five play scoring drives? So it, it, it's a tough sort of situation to find yourself in for the New Orleans Saints because, yeah, you want to create, you want to make another team one dimensional, but at the same time, you, you kind of stink against that dimension. So how much is that really benefiting from you? And that's a big question that we're asking about the Saints. And, and you know, the only thing we can do is sit back, watch and see how they adjust at this point. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like we're seeing some some strength versus strength and some weakness versus weakness mm-hmm. with these two teams. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how this matchup is going to play out and answering all your Bears questions about this team up next on this crossover Thursday podcast with Ross Jackson from Lockdown Saints and Lauren Cox from Lockdown Bears. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. So exciting to see 3,000 of the Houdat Nation present for Sunday's win against the Carolina Panthers and hoping that the number is only able to safely increase, allowing more fans to be able to get into those stands to watch their team play. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. 
All right, y'all, welcome back into this crossover episode. Ross Jackson here with Locked on Saints, and always the great pleasure to talk with Lauren Cox, Locked on Bears, getting ready for this Saints and Bears game. First place that I want to start is with the quarterback situation. Uh, Nick Foles takes over for Mitch Trubisky, comes in in the fourth quarter against the Atlanta Falcons and throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I loved to see it, obviously, because it happened against the Atlanta Falcons. But since then, in the next four games, he's only thrown three touchdowns since then. So when you look at the way that this offense has uh, sort of operated under Nick Foles, what's the biggest concern for you and where could you see some improvements coming into this week that Saints fans should be aware of? Yeah, the offense is in uh, panic mode right now Mm -hmm. after the loss to the Rams last week, which is weird because like, if you listen to Chicago Sports Talk Radio and read Bears fans on social media, you're going to see a lot of people who want to fire the general manager, fire their head coach, blow up the team. And currently they're in a playoff spot uh, with a five. <laughs> and two I mean, it's, it's a precarious situation and perhaps a privileged situation. But right now, I mean, you are seeing this bears offense just completely struggle to consistently move the ball. They cannot run to save their lives. It's been an ongoing issue throughout the Matt Nagy era. And their offensive line is, is collapsing not only from, the healthy players that they do have not playing up to the standard that they have earlier in their career, but they're on their backup left guard. Their, their center got banged up last week against the Rams. We're not sure if he's going to be able to go. So they're starting currently they're planning to start an undrafted rookie free agent at center and a former undrafted rookie free agent at left guard, mm. two guys, with very little NFL experience before the season. So that makes everyone else's job more difficult. They've had some, uh, at times, issues catching the ball here and there with their receivers. And then Nick Foles is not a perfect quarterback, but no one was expecting him to be a perfect quarterback. I still think he provides a significant upgrade over Mitch Trubisky Mm -hmm. in terms of the understanding of the offense and being able to operate the huddle, make changes at the line of scrimmage. But now Matt Nagy's play calling has been particularly in the microscope. Even though receivers are getting open downfield, it doesn't feel like he's necessarily adapting his system to an offense with a poor offensive line. Like it's struggling to like everything would work if everybody was executing at hundred percent, Sure, but they haven't been able to get everybody to execute hundred percent. And you haven't seen the offense kind of adjust to their own shortcomings. You know, I, I know that they they're dealing with some injuries there. They're, they're looking at starting some pretty inexperienced guys there. Is there any plan or have you heard any talk about Matt Nagy's play calling and blocking scheme in particular to where maybe he's not giving enough help to some of these guys on the interior. He's not giving enough help to the guys on the edge. Is there any plan for that to uh, to adjust coming into this game against the Saints? I think for the most part, the offensive line issues have been more pronounced in the running game than the passing game. Okay. And Aaron Donald last week gave them a lot of problems, which Aaron I mean, Donald gives everybody problems, yeah. but especially <laughs> an interior offensive line of Rashad Coward, who is a converted defensive lineman, he played defensive line in college, moved to offensive line when he came to the Bears a couple of years ago. Your starting center is a second year undrafted rookie, Sam Mustafer, who made his first NFL snaps last week. And then the former Seahawks first round pick, Jermaine Effetti, is your starting right guard. I mean, Aaron Donald ate their lunch all day. There's just mm-hmm. That's just going to happen. But for the most part, Foles has had close enough time to throw. I mean, it needs to be better, but has been functional in that regard it's more so the running game where they just can't get any push from anybody up front consistently mm-hmm. last week to try and mitigate the rams pass rush a little bit we saw david montgomery play a career high number of pack blocking snaps it kept him in quite a bit more to just try and help 
didn't make a huge difference, but they're trying to go a little bit heavier on the tight ends. We saw some more rollouts and some more play action just to try and do something. But even on the rollouts, Aaron Donald just walks it. I mean, runs in between the left guard and center untouched with a free run to the quarterback. Right. There's, there's not much you can scheme in that regard. So they are trying to, you know, Matt Nagy is trying to help his offensive line in different ways, but last week for especially it didn't work, but I think they're hoping that the saints not having an Aaron Donald type player and having some inconsistency rushing the passer that mm-hmm. hopefully they think things can just kind of calm down a little bit more this week and they can run a little bit more of what their offense is supposed to look like. Yeah. When I look at Nick Foles's numbers, I mean, it, it's no surprise that every, every quarterback in the NFL wants to get rid of the pass. They want to get the ball out quickly. And Nick Foles certainly performs much better when that's the case. But I've noticed that when he throws passes beyond that mark, his completion percentage goes down, his interceptions go up. What is it about? Does he struggle a little bit going deep into progressions and then having to make decisions deeper into his reads? I don't know that it's decision making. So every game, Nick Foles is going to give you two or three throws where he's just chucking it up there and (laughs) playing. You know, I mean, you can, if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you're saying he's giving his wide receiver a chance and he's trusting his wide receiver to make a play. But those have led to interceptions. I mean, those, they're just a couple of those decisions where it's like, what are you doing? I mean, and Mm -hmm. that certainly brings down the, uh, the later play completion percentage. But I think that stat is maybe even just more, how much the quick plays boost everything else. Like I think the the longer plays are more reflective of Nick Foles as a quarterback because there's there's some times when he'll make a great, you know, full field progression and find the open receiver late in the play. And, you know, that's like that's what the Bears signed up for. But for the most part, he is always looking to throw that to the running back out of the backfield. He loves to check down even when the pressure is not quite there yet, but he starts to feel a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, there were ghosts last week against the Rams for sure. He's, he's just going to that check down. Cause it's like, keep the offense going. If they can, you know, t- take a first and 10 and make it a second and seven. And then like a third right. and three, you know, they'll take those short chunks in lieu of having a running game. So like it's been, I don't want to say even good enough, but I mean, it, sort of works but clearly it hasn't worked enough to put enough points on the board or enough yards and then if they get caught in poor down and distance situations from a penalty or a sack their drives are pretty much killed yeah great okay that helps because i'm looking at the saints who do a who have struggled so far because they give up separation so quickly to wide receivers particularly uh anybody that's running sort of those in breaking routes which all of the receivers in uh in chicago do well um let me jump over to the defensive side 16th in the nfl in the run game what's been the struggle in the run game so far for the uh, bears defense everyone starts with the loss of eddie goldman which is it's hard to it's hard to overlook that in any way but i do think the defensive line has been playing fine i mean they're not they haven't been great but mm-hmm. they've been playing fine and having Eddie Goldman would be a big difference to them. I mean, that that could be the difference between them playing fine and them playing great. But we've seen a lot of the season, the linebackers and safeties kind of stepping up to fill their gaps, struggling to hit the right gaps and make the right decisions. We've seen, you know, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan sometimes will be inclined to overrun their gap a little bit and get burned by a nice cutback. Or sometimes they'll try and run around blocks rather than taking them on and fighting through them. And they'll give up an extra three, four, five yards just by having intentionally sort of run backwards and just giving up that space mm-hmm. to try and get to the ball carrier in the last two weeks in, or last two games in particular with the Panthers and the Rams, for some reason, the bears edge rushers have just lost the ability to contain. And I don't know what happened. Even Khalil Mack was like out of position and he's been phenomenal in run defense his whole career. But like 
Mike Davis and the Panthers were able to get and bounce their longest runs went outside. And then the Rams with Darnell Henderson and, and their wide receiver sweeps and jet sweeps and end arounds, they got to the edge for runs of 10 plus a handful of times throughout the game. The Bears were just lost at trying to keep those runs funneled back inside. So it's been just like fundamentals that seem to be kind of failing this group up front, despite a decent amount of talent and, and guys individually fairly playing well. It's just someone is always there to make the right mistake at the wrong time. I, I definitely understand that one. Um, <laughs> uh, last question for you. I want to go back to the secondary. Just take a look at the coverages. Uh, I'm showing that the Bears spend a, a good amount of time both splitting man and uh, and zone coverage, particularly those uh, single high safety looks and closing the middle of the field and in, in, in cover three. Uh, the focus for this team so far seems to be not giving up big plays. How successful have they been with that? And how successful has the secondary been so far this year? Yeah, they haven't been a lot of explosive plays against this Bears defense. They're going to show a lot of two deep safety looks and then rotate one safety down, but you're never quite sure exactly where it's going to go. And once they start struggling to stop the run, then they'll bring a safety into the box more full time and they're not going to be able to disguise as much, but they like to show you a split safety look as much as possible. So you're not as clear on what the coverage is going to be post snap. But for the mm -hmm. most part, you know, Eddie Jackson has been solid on the back end. He sort of hyper extended his leg last week, but it sounds like he's going to be okay and, and ready to go this week. Tashawn Gibson's been playing pretty well, but they've both missed a few more tackles than you'd like to see. And then Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson have been stellar at the cornerback spots. I mean, just, two guys that are shutting down receivers pretty well. Not, not anything big concerning there. A lot of the damage for the Bears defense has been done over the middle of the field, out of the slot against Buster Screen or against Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith in coverage, running backs out of the backfield, any kind of area where you can hit them there. That seems to be where, from a passing game standpoint, I'm most concerned, which I, I think Drew Brees is going to have some fun uh, trying to get, mm -hmm. you know, getting rid of the ball quickly and finding a lot of that space underneath to eat up those chunk yards. I mean, where the Bears defense has been the best is in the red zone. I mean, that's been their MO all season. They'll let you get pretty far down into the 20s, but once you get down there, it's tough to score. I think this is going to be a very fun one to watch. I'm looking forward to this one. It's a late afternoon game. So, you know, we might get a little bit of national attention here again for both of these teams that are sitting uh, with winning records, five and two for the Bears, four and two for the Saints. And uh, uh, if nothing else, I'm sure we'll interact all throughout the game, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun and I'll, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, appreciate you doing this crossover, Ross. It's always a good time. And who knows, maybe we'll get to do one in January if the Bears can figure their stuff out. Hey, uh, fingers crossed that the Saints make the playoffs. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Huda Nation. One more big thank you to Lauren Cox. You can follow him on Twitter at Cox Sports One to keep up with everything going on with the Chicago Bears. I highly recommend going and checking him out, learning a little bit more about the Bears. We're going to go ahead and dive into our film study for the Bears tomorrow. I've already gotten a little bit of a head start on it, and I got to let you know, there are a few key things that I see in that Chicago passing defense that even though it's highly ranked, the Saints should be able to produce again. So we'll dig into that tomorrow for our Film Friday episode. We had our Film Watch Wednesday episode yesterday. We had our mailbag yesterday. Go ahead and check that episode out as well and enjoy. Um, I'm just trying to give you as much information as I can in tomorrow's episode to get you ready for Sunday. So we had everything you need to know. Injury report. We'll take a look at keys to victory, key players to watch. And of course, we'll do our film study for the Chicago Bears and we'll break down some of the tendencies that we can see there and how the Saints can take advantage of it and try to seal and get this W in Chicago, which is not the easiest thing to do. But Saints did it last year. Can they do it again this year? We'll break it down tomorrow. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. 
Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust to that nation. I'll holla at you.